Well, hello there, and welcome back to a Guy and a Gal podcast. I'm Matt. I'm G. I don't know why I I don't know why I did that. (laughs) (laughs) Turns out that I forgot that we've been doing this for a while, and I felt the need to introduce ourselves. Um, Don't know what's going on. I think it's just that point in the year, Matt. We're tired. (sighs) It's nearly Christmas. Just on the verge of giving up. (laughs) And it's basically dark the entire time. And COVID's now been happening for about 300 years. (laughs) <laughs> like approximately since the dawn of time you know there was bc and ad it's now bc ad and then pc pre-covid <laughs> we're now cc currently covid <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're in a current covid climate <laughs> however c cubed we have been allowed out to the pubs in the last week which has been amazing have you taken advantage i have i'm feeling sufficiently marinated i would say from the amount of okay. the wine that's entered my system, but I've also eaten a lot of substantial meals. Mm, have you? Or have you had a couple of sausage rolls? I've, I know, I've gone all out. Full substantial meal. I'm not messing around with this scotch egg rubbish. <laughs> I, I've, I've definitely done my fair share of eating out and also a lot of substantial meals. So I sort of feel a bit like jaded now that we've had that, that heavy weekend. And I think I've just drunk my body weight of, uh, in wine, which is, I mean, no, no bad thing. Let's not, let's not make this out to be a, a hardship. It was bloody great while it lasted. And I, I'm also loving, I mean, they, the listeners can't see that you're currently sat in a gray hoodie type dressing gown top that basically makes you look like a little Eskimo. <laughs> I was going to say, I do look like an Eskimo or in Game of Thrones, you know, the other side of the wall, what are they called? the wildlings i do feel like i've got like a wildling kind of vibe going. oh do you think we'll let you have that yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah it's really unfortunate that this is not a visual medium but possibly in future when we're on this morning as presenters i'll wear an outfit like this and people can enjoy and i and i think they will sell out of those fluffy hoodie type dressing gowns in no time at all when you you were wearing them georgia an absolute absolute icon thank you i reckon so so aside from the marination, how are you doing? You good? Yeah, I'm, I'm good, thank you. I'm feeling definitely more optimistic about things. You know, we have a vaccine. The scene we talked about in our episode last week about, you know, the big number of vaccine COVID the musical. It has legs. It could potentially happen. So I'm very excited about that. How are you doing? Uh, yeah, I'm doing all right. I, um, I'm very much sort of got that end of year kind of vibe you know I'm sort of ready I'm ready now for Christmas I'm ready now for my birthday I'm ready now for new year I'm ready now just to sort of to chill out um uh but yeah I I mean one of the best things that happened to me last week was my my new Dyson came and uh I'm feeling more adult than ever that that genuinely might have been the best thing that's ever happened to me like I'm gonna put it out there if you haven't used a Dyson yeah they're bloody great like um, and I am not sponsored in any shape or form, but I mean, Dyson, if you're listening, <laughs> we'll totally take it. Um, but it is phenomenal. It just, it cleans like there's no tomorrow. And I feel like Freddie Mercury in that Break Free video. I'll say Matthew Hinch, Mrs. Hinch getting a run for her money. You there with your cordless Dyson. You never know. You never know. So another week and another fabulous guest. This time, Richie Cartwright, who is an advocate for men's mental health and men's eating disorders, namely binge eating, which is something that I'd never really like delved into, never really looked into or heard about much. Had, had you read about it at all? To be honest, I think as a woman, you're much more aware of 
uh, eating disorders and there's much more discussion of that kind of thing in our in like your circles yeah there's much more discussion of that kind of thing i guess in circles but also on social media and the channels you follow because traditionally eating disorders are largely associated with women it's been so prevalent recently particularly with the crown big on netflix obviously bulimia became a much more talked about subject thanks to princess diana so it's very much in our awareness particularly at the moment but i think what was really interesting about richie is the way he was saying that when he went on to a social media group to find out more about this condition that he discovered he thought he might have, he said, where are all the men? And I think that's a large part of what we discussed today was about that, which was so interesting. And it's so, I think it's so telling as well that, you know, even what some of the questions we were asking him, he was like, you know, I'm still learning and I'm still on that journey. And it, and it is, it's a journey. It's not an end state. And I think many of us think, you know, oh, I'm sick, I'm going to get better. Or, you know, I've got a mental health issue and I'm going to fix it. And the reality is that it takes a bit of time. And actually, particularly within the sort of the masculine confines, the, the toxic masculinity world, where it's very, very hard to sort of encourage guys to speak out. I think this is what is so great about someone like Richie, who, you know, if you go on his Instagram or his LinkedIn, you know, he he's a good looking guy, like he's very well spoken. He went to Cambridge, he's worked at a load of cool places. And you look at him and you go, Wow, like he he must have, you know, had everything handed to him and he's, you know, absolutely killing it. And I think I think it's awesome, particularly having someone like him who people look at and admire to go like, Wow, actually, do you know what? It hasn't been easy and this is why. And he's now doing something to help guys, but also gals who are maybe in similar boat well that's what's most impressive about him isn't it as with a lot of our guests in times that have been tough how they've made something of that and they've created the thing that they're now working on or super passionate about through times of, of adversity so the fact that he's created fella and he now has these huge goals of where he wants to take it it's just so inspiring i think it's worth us saying before we delve into the episode that there's possibly some comments or some discussions here that may be triggering. So please be aware of that before we go ahead. However, I think it's super insightful, really interesting conversation. Definitely. But, and, you know, it's also relevant for both guys and gals, because let's face it, mental health is something that we all face. And eating disorder is, again, something that any of us could face. And some of the things that Richie does talk about, I wouldn't necessarily have even thought about as things to look out for. So definitely, definitely worth checking out and listening. So, yes, let's do this. Hello and welcome back to the latest episode of A Guy and a Gal podcast and I'm very pleased to say that we are joined today by a fantastic guy by the name of Richie Cartwright. Richie, welcome to the show. Hey Jeep, hey Matt, good to be here. Before we hear your intro, tell us, how are you doing today? <laughs> I, I am good. I'm at work at the moment, I'm in the office but I do this thing in the morning called what I call the mental gym now which is where I kind of do like a mental workout and <laughs> not, not like a crazy workout, like a, a, a mind workout every morning. And so um, it's quite interesting to have your day after you do, do that in the morning. But yeah, I'm good today. What does that involve? I'm literally picturing you now, like practicing your times tables. Sudoku. <laughs> it's a great, great question. I don't, I, in some ways I really like the label, like the mental gym. I call it the mental gym actually. Uh, but in other ways, I think it's the, the wrong label, but it's basically, um, if you can work on the processes, your thought processes behind. So 
a lot of people, I'm sure a lot of your listeners will know of cognitive behavioral therapy. And if you don't, then it's kind of uh, basically thinking about the thought processes that go behind your behaviors and then reflecting on those and seeing whether any of those are what's called maladaptive. Any of those are kind of actually not producing great outcomes. And so I actually think, uh, why did we do so much? Like I learned so much history. I learned so much calculus. I learned about geography and how mountains were formed. But I never, never thought about how my own thoughts were formed at school. And so it's kind of, I'm trying to catch up now because I think it underlies everything I do. Yeah, if I'm, if I'm with my family, if I'm um, at work, if I'm in the gym, if I'm doing anything, if I'm on this call, like how I think about things and how calm I am in that moment kind of underlie everything. So that's the kind of point of the mental gym. That's such an interesting way to start the day. I mean, I am one of those terrible people that the minute I wake up in the morning, the first thing I do is reach for my phone and check my notifications. And I've been trying to stop doing it because the days when I don't, I honestly start the day in such a better mindset. I have banged on about this quite a lot, so I do apologise. But Jay Shetty and his book, like, mind blown. But, like, mm. one of his, like, challenges is don't look at your phone for 45 minutes after you wake up. And it's actually very hard to mm. do, which sounds ridiculous. But I, like, I've been locking my phone. Locking is a very dramatic way of saying mm. that I leave it in the living room. But I, like, <laughs> leave my phone in there purposefully so that when I come, you know, all of a meter into my bedroom it's therefore still you know there's a wall yeah. in between and I won't you know I won't look at it and I, I try and do something similar to you Richie where I'll first thing I do when I wake up is I'll do some meditation on headspace mm. and then I don't quite do the sort of proper CBT not yet, not yet. we'll get you there not I'll <laughs> get there I'll get there so obviously Richie the mental gym is something you do every morning but the reason we've got you onto the podcast today is to talk about a slightly different part of mental health specifically men's binge men's binge eating and all the work you do with that so can you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and what you do i uh, kind of are helping men who struggle with binge eating at the moment and so i run a, a startup a tech startup which uh, which helps guys to do that and it's kind of based on my experience of the last that's like seven years now. So I kind of started to binge eat when I was 19, but didn't really realize it for quite a few years. So, you know, binge eating is maybe something that people haven't ever sort of heard much about or indeed mm. like spoken about specifically from a guy's perspective. And I, I suppose it's probably worth calling out that this could be a trigger for people who are listening. Um, so we are going to be talking about um, the binge eating aspect and I suppose eating disorders as well. So just calling that out right now. But Richie, talk to us a little bit about the journey so you're mm. you're in your sort of mid to late 20s you you're running this startup and you're also an incredible advocate and very open and transparent about your own journey and your own mm. issues that you've had with binge eating so how did you end up kind of getting to this space mm. and you know how is it that you're sat here today in your yeah. lovely orange room <laughs> <laughs> great question well, first first thing i want to correct you late 20s matt jesus yeah <laughs> i'm near 26 um, sorry sorry i'm so, just feeling bad so, about my own impending 30 <laughs> so <it> just <laughs> um yeah great question i mean i i'd say the, the the story is food had always been this like little tussle but i'd never thought it was anything external or serious in the same way that you kind of procrastinate, in the same way that you struggle to go to the gym, in the same way that you don't sleep well enough. It was in that kind of category for me. And yeah, really no recognition of it. But around my 24th birthday, 
that's when it, it, it really did change quite a bit. And so some of these weird behaviors that have been quite hidden only ever at night, only ever kind of certain like kebabby foods, like takeout foods, actually then started to seep into the day because I was so stressed because I thought my first company had failed. I was a year out of uni and was like, well, <laughs> what am I doing in my life? And that was the first time I actually typed in any of the, the symptoms, the signs of my eating into Google. And, you know, Google is great at this stuff because it goes, oh, yeah, I, I recognize exactly what you're saying. Here's the NHS page of binge eating disorder. And that I paused because that was like a big moment when I was like, geez, like, what do you mean? I've never told you NHS page that I do these things. And you're describing exactly what I do. Was there an element of it that was in some way a little comforting to have in black and white there was something written down that was actually something that you could now relate to? No, I, I think it's honestly an interesting question, Matt. I would say that comes later. <laughs> I think the first first thing is surprise and shock, but actually your masculinity takes a hit real quick because being humbled is painful as a bloke. And um, you get humbled when you're like, shit, like that has disorder on the end. What do you mean I'm disordered? Like, no, I'm like a strong man. Like, I don't have disorders. And that's, I would never have used those words as explicitly back then because I, it's cringe, it's crude. Like, I didn't actually, like, actively think it, but, like, passively, that's what my head was saying. Do you think that might be because you are someone who'd been so incredibly successful at such a young age? I mean, you are at Cambridge, you'd been part of a startup. Do you think this was the first time that things hadn't quite gone to plan? It's actually a good reminder that, like, there are many people, you know, and this is actually part of the thing, like, like both of you are incredibly successful in your own way. But actually, when we look at ourselves in the mirror, we often see loads of the flaws and we don't see the, the strong stuff. And so we're constantly looking outside and seeing people better than us. And, you know, everyone else is doing the same. And so we're kind of spiraling down in this sense. And so actually, I would say maybe the bigger thing is I felt like I maybe had like many failures in the past, but it seemed like everyone else was succeeding better than me. Although maybe, as you say, like if people were to look at me and I kind of reflect, like I was putting on this front as well. How much do you think that Cambridge kind of led to some of this? Mm. The reason I ask is having started, I, I started a master's at Cambridge earlier mm. in the year. And what I was acutely aware, uh, became acutely aware for me at the time when I was there was I was not ready for this level of intense education and academia when I was sort of 18, 19. And a lot of the people who were on the course who had come back to do a master's mm. and had been as an undergrad were saying that a lot of sort of their peers, a lot of their friends and stuff had actually really struggled because there was just an intense level of not only the academic rigor, but actually that kind of, as you described, the comparing mm. yourself to your peers and going, well, everyone else seems to be dealing mm. with this fine and everyone else is managing. I just, I wonder whether, mm. do you think there is any element of that that maybe played into it? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, again, this kind of humility is like a, a very difficult concept to grasp. I've only just started to use the word, but you go from like, it's going well at school, right? And then you go to Cambridge and you're distinctly average. And I was you know, worse than average. And you're like, how did that happen? And you can take that in, in many ways. And many people are kind of motivated by that. And many people are like distraught by that. And I actually took like a third path. It was like, oh, well, I'll, that's not my thing then. And actually, I'll get my gratification in other ways. And interestingly, maybe one of those ways was food. So when you say you Googled 
Um, mm. And you found out, okay, actually, I think this is a form of disorder. Mm. What was it that led you to think, right, mm. I'm actually going to type this into Google and find mm. out what's going on with me? Like, so, when did you realize something wasn't right? Yeah. Well, so imagine kind of years of feeling compulsive around food, struggling not to steal people's food in uni halls, which I'm not proud of in any sense, like, you know, <laughs> eating cereal and stuff. But like, it was never like real standout. But then the real standout, Matt, as I was, uh, as I kind of mentioned to you, there's a date seared on my memory, 7th of October, 2018. I kind of almost call it, like, it spilled from the dark into the light. And I mean that both figuratively, but also literally, like it was always a night thing. And with the fellas that we work with, um, with, with the company I run, the, the other guys that Benji, eating at night is very, very common because of the, the hidden nature. But now it was during the day, I was eating croissants, which were quote unquote forbidden for me. And I was using it in a very different way than I maybe was in the past. I was using it to kind of do something, to fill a void, to like numb something. And the, the intensity, the level at which, you know, 5,000 calories of croissants in an hour 45, and then about 18 hours later doing the exact same thing. You reflect on it, that, that is the extremity of like, well, that's not normal anymore. And I, I, I need to kind of Google this now. And when you first realized, okay, this is what it is, did you know any other guys? Because I know in the media and the press, a bulimia or binge eating is commonly associated with women or females. Mm. And there's, you know, over the last however many years, I guess since Princess Diana, largely, mm. there's been sort of this awareness in the press. But do, were you aware of any other men that had gone through this condition? Not any men, but I wasn't aware of the condition. Okay, wow, okay. So like no one's aware of the condition. Binge eating disorder was only kind of created as a clinical thing in 2013. And when you think of an eating disorder, you don't think of a fit young man. No. And so I, and this is not to take away any of the, the struggles that a lot of women are going through because a lot of women with this condition are highly stigmatized mm -hmm. because 20 to 30% of those who are obese struggle with binge eating disorder and get told to uh, lose weight, and this is a diet, and that yet makes the condition worse. And so it's actually not just like, a, and I don't want to put it on like a man thing, the, the male element is important, but actually the condition itself is so, so recent. But also if we think about a lot of media culture, it's okay to tease fat people. And a lot of fat people in the media, if you actually clinically look at them, have binge eating disorder. So one of the guys I was speaking to the other day, he had thought about this for years. He was 14, he'd been struggling for a long time. And he was like, well, look at how Monica is treated in Friends. She's called Fat Monica and she can't stop eating. And there are these other signs. She has binge eating disorder. So when you say that binge eating was defined for the first time in 2013, what do you mean by that? Is it that binge eating was clarified as a different or separate condition to bulimia or anorexia, whereas previously they'd been sort of combined together? So it'd been part of the medical lexicon for a while, but there's this thing uh, called the American Psychiatric Association. They create this thing, which is their diagnostic manual. And that basically kind of decides for a lot of the world, including the NHS, like how you think about uh, mental health conditions. And so this was the first time it was kind of put together because a binge episode had been a long time within the bulimia sphere, mm -hmm. but 
But if you have the binging, but not the purging or not the compensatory behavior, that is almost in some ways the definition of binge eating disorder. And for you, this is how it manifested itself. It was specifically binge eating. Well, that's actually a really great point because no, in many ways I'd be categorized under bulimia, but why I don't like saying that for a whole complexity of reasons probably is that I never purged, but I compensated a lot. And so again, when we think of bulimia, we think of many things maybe, but maybe we think of Diana being sick in the toilet most recently, or Freddie Flintoff being sick in the toilet, which is shocking in many ways. And so in terms of my own kind of compensatory behavior, I myself would do a lot of fasting after a binge and would also exercise as a compensatory mechanism. So a good example would be after a binge, I couldn't really move, but I could sit on a bike. And so I'd go to the gym and I'd go on the exercise bike. I hadn't realized this at the time, but the summer before that 2018 October, where it turned into this kind of other thing, I was going to the gym 12 times a week. What? Wow. Which, which for me was like, well, it's just, I want to get fit. You know, I feel great. I look great. I'm going to uh, 12 gym classes a week. That for me at the time was completely normal. And then actually when you look back and put the pieces together, you're like, ah, aha. But you know, the, the really interesting thing is that you've now started making me think is a lot of my friends who are guys who do a lot of very excess mm. exercise and it's it's actually celebrated you know when yep. when you see a friend or you know i can i can literally think of people off the top of my head mm -hmm. who i've been like bloody hell you know i'm so envious mm. of you going 12 mm. times a week or you know um you did that huge run the other day mm. after we were up until you know the early hours or whatever and now i'm kind of like wow you know maybe that in some ways was their own mm. compensation for whatever it was that we were binging as such like it's a it's a very interesting thing to sort of think about the behaviors that people mm. are taking on because in so many ways where it's celebrated that is actually one of the the, the big problems with masculinity or toxic mm. masculinity of the fact that actually we see men as people who need to be strong and need to be you know infallible and you mm. know can't show any sign of weakness and I'm I'm kind of intrigued, I suppose, in how you how how you kind of have overcome that, in order to then tell your story and and sort mm. of be in the position that you are today, where you're now, you know, you were on what was it ITV News, mm. <laughs> like talking about your well, talking the, about your condition. The, that's the thing, Matt. I I haven't overcome it at all. Like I'm only starting to chip away at it. Like, do I still hate being a burden? Yes. Do I still um, struggle with the word bulimia or body image? Like, yes. Uh, do I still minimize and say, oh, it's not that big a deal, like I'm not struggling really? Yes. Like, all these things that, I, do I still hate the word self-compassion in many ways? Yes. So like, I'm only just starting to chip away at it. And I think that probably shows just how far we have to go as a society. But also that it that it is a journey and it's mm. not, an end state as such mm. because we've spoken quite a bit in the past about anxiety and depression and you know I've been sort of quite open about how I've gone through a whole bout mm. of therapy and like my own journey with that which similar to what you were describing is I don't think you ever fully get over the things that cause the anxiety or the things that cause you to feel the way that you feel however you learn coping mechanisms mm. and you learn ways in which you can kind of compartmentalize or go 
do you know what? I'm not going to allow myself to go there this time. How do you bring that into the work that you're doing with fellows? Because I know you, you're sort of basing around CBT and many people will recognize that if they've gone through any form mm. of therapy. I certainly have. So it'd be kind of interesting to, to mm. hear how you kind of like bridge the gap, I suppose, and taken some of your own learnings into what you're doing now. Yeah, and I guess I would challenge a little bit in this idea that it would never go away. Um, you try and minimize it over time and it's not a completion point but it's not good enough really our current treatment of mental conditions is as soon as you're not ill anymore you're fine yeah we're talking about the gym earlier like you don't just go I'm no longer ill therefore I'm not gonna have these like fitness goals if you run want to run a marathon or something we just don't think of mental health like that at the moment we think if you're not ill, you're fine in this, this dichotomous nature. And so I'd actually push us to think, well, like, although maybe there'll be these little things for a long time, in many ways, we can like really, really, really work on them so that we don't have to just have these strategies anymore. So Richie, as a result of your experiences, you have now founded Fella. Can you give us a bit of an idea of what Fella is all about? Yeah, so Fella... Uh, is an online program to help guys that struggle with binge eating. At its core is two main things. It's uh, the most engaging CBT with the 21st, you know, the most engaging software that we can provide as software engineers because inherently CBT on your own is very dull with a PDF, which was what I was given when I was going through. And the second thing is the community aspect, the peer-to-peer aspect, because most of the guys haven't spoken to anyone and they, they certainly haven't spoken to another bloke about this who says the same things as them, who writes in the same way that they write. And so when they have that experience of interacting with another guy like them, something kind of what I'd call magical happens and something changes, which I think is really hopeful for the, the kind of looping back to the, the CBT, the exercises, which is kind of where you make the change itself. So your audience or the people that you work with are all male? So yeah, at the moment we're focusing on guys because of how kind of underserved they are with the like existing solutions out there, existing focus, but definitely want to move over to women as soon as we can. And we'll just what, adapt the name to fellas and fillies or something. Yeah, it's a, it's a good question. There's a quite a, a big company at the moment called Hims in the US, um, which has their alternative brand called Hers. And so there's a sort of okay. internal debate at the moment, like what the equivalent is, but I don't know, we'll, we'll see. So, I mean, obviously you spoke about, you had that, that date, 7th of October, 2018. Mm. That was the day that, as you described, moved into the light mm. and became something that you could no longer ignore uh, as an issue and a disorder. Mm. So then from, from the point of that happening and, you mm. know, s- stood outside a Sainsbury's eating a <laughs> Tesco, uh, you know, <laughs> you wouldn't eat a Tesco. Eating a Tesco. I Sainsbury's tried. I tried, Matt. I did try. <laughs> <laughs> but so you stood there and then how did Fella happen? If you think about this, Manji, I've tried so hard to keep this out of my professional life. So think, yeah, think how many hours I've spent, like making sure this doesn't seep into my productivity, this doesn't seep into my professional life. And so then when my co-founder, um, so we were out in San Francisco, a Y Combinator, and kind of COVID was happening and we were thinking like, what was the best thing for us to spend our time doing? And you know, one of my co-founders said, well, why aren't we focusing on this? And I was like, what are you on about? Like, <laughs> I've tried so hard to keep this out of my professional life. And also, there are no guys that suffer from this. And it's a tiny condition. And 
you know, we can speak to Brenda from the Midwest and maybe there's a Sally as well. But yeah, there's there's no young people. There's definitely not Sally. a Brian. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. And and so it's like, well, what's the point? And he's like, well, no, have I, I've done some research. This is number one, the biggest eating disorder now. I was like, well, what are you on about? Number two, 40% of all cases are guys. And yeah, and number three, this is hitting like over 1%, so 1% to 4% of uh, Western populations, so the UK and the US population. And all of that seemed crazy to me. And I thought he was, uh, yeah, I thought he just wasn't being sensible at all. But then he persuaded me, thankfully, to put out a post on the Reddit and Facebook groups and forums that I was part of. And the post was basically, where are all the guys? And I was super skeptical that anything would come back. And then, as you can imagine, you know, the story goes, we put it out there and just hundreds of guys came back. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? And then I reflected and I was like, well, shit, that's me. I lurk as well. I'm there looking at all this stuff, but never commenting. And so that was the big turning point, really. And from there, it kind of came about quite organically. So when you say originally you were keeping this entirely out of your professional life, is that down to the amount of time that you were spending on it? You mentioned productivity, or is it more around the potential stigma of how you might be perceived in the workplace having admitted or openly talking about having an eating disorder? It's funny because you can't even fear the stigma if you don't even associate it with it. So if you're like, well, it's so inconceivable that I could be struggling with an eating disorder that I can't even fear it at that point. And so only you have to go past that stage to actually start to recognize it, to start to even see the stigma in a sense. I think it's, um, I, the, the key thing is that, you know, it is very easy for it to affect your productivity. And I was very driven in these ways and that's actually feeds part of the cycle itself. So yeah, it was very much like, how can I stop it from infecting the kind of rest of my productive life? But then there's also like, seeing myself as someone who has a lot of my stuff you know, together. And then this thing that just takes over <laughs> and you feel almost like an actor in this game or like this puppet being held. And that is deeply troubling. And I think that seems to be what most of the fellas that we work with also really struggle with is this you know you can be high achieving in many ways but then if you don't feel like you have control over yourself you don't feel like you have agency that's really mm. troubling the thing that i think is the most compelling and you know inspiring about what you're doing is that i think for a lot of people they are particularly you know and i mean guys in this instance are looking for another voice or another person that they can go mm. oh wow you know like this person gets me or this person is mm. like the same as me and I think it provides that element of validation that you may not have ever had and that's like you were sort of referencing that guys just don't talk about these kind of feelings mm. and so where we are like lurking in the shadows or whatever mm. online and trying to find you know places that we sort of fit in and thanks to you and thanks to you know people like you who are putting it out onto the mainstream you know i see you on linkedin all the time and facebook <laughs> and instagram and it, it's all over and, I, and it's amazing because where i have my own anxieties mm. and issues and whatever seeing more people like you who are able to sort of talk up about it is incredibly empowering i guess i'm quite open now and i'm like well 
it's part of my life. <laughs> it really affects my professional life. And I'm convinced that it affects many other people's lives as well. And so almost like trying to break down the associations of LinkedIn as like you have to wear this suit and tie and you have to look this way and you have to behave in a certain way and you can't present your true self because that's shameful. It's like, well, I think we can maybe change that. And I think that's probably really beneficial for many people. So, Richie, you've, you've said, you know, that you, you still struggle with it and you know, that it's a challenge. And this is a journey and, you know, you're, you're well on your way, I suppose, <laughs> in terms of getting yourself to whatever that end state looks like. But for anyone who's listening who maybe has resonated with anything mm. that you've been saying about any of those behaviours and you've got a great video on your uh, website, joinfella.com, of sort of identifying some of the behaviors. If they're listening and they're going, hmm, I think that might be me. Or, mm. you know, I think that maybe I am hiding behind mm. a fast or exercising loads. What advice would you give to them? I guess the key thing to mention is that just because you see yourself in it does not mean you're really ill. It does not mean you have like this massive thing. It's extremely common and many people struggle with it in like either subtle ways or more severe ways. So the first thing to say is like, it's not often, it's not like a huge thing. You don't need to freak yourself out about it. I think the second thing to say is you have to be at a stage where you, where you can say, ah, I don't know all the answers. And actually I need to be okay asking someone else externally to say, can you help me a little bit? And that's, that's the stage I was in for six years. And I'd strongly recommend to anyone listening to that to make that a shorter time period than that. <laughs> and so, you know, it doesn't have to be today, but it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to be like, yeah, I struggle sometimes with this and I've never mentioned it to anyone. And I don't really know why, but it's a huge part of my life. And I should probably mention it at some point to someone. That's like, that's a really, really good first step. And then kind of more practically with the fella side, if you yeah, visit our website, that's when you kind of will be welcomed into our community. And there is definitely one thing I've struggled with, with a lot of the communities in the past is like this welcoming, but like, it's okay if you don't want to change kind of thing and actually i think we have quite a bias to action in that we're like well we're welcoming of everyone but let's move forward together let's get better together and i think that's um you know if you if you come to fella you'll very much have that kind of momentum going forward and the support around you so richie obviously we've covered a whole variety of different stuff over the last sort of hour what's next for fella what's next for you as we sort of come out of COVID and into 2021, where do you see this going? So, so we're currently working with 30 guys and improving their outcomes. But to anchor on the five-year vision, where we need to be is help, have helped a million guys by then. Wow. And so we are constantly doing two things in our head. We are saying, how can we make this the most effective, most welcoming treatment for these guys at the moment, for these what we call fellas? But then we're saying, well, how do we make sure that that then scales to help the next million fellas in the coming five years? And so next year is an ongoing process of that, where number one, we'll be raising kind of more outside like venture funding uh, within the context of Y Combinator Demo Day. Number two, we'll be improving the software which kind of delivers the program to the 
to the, the fellas themselves and make sure that that can scale. And then number three is to kind of make sure that the community is really robust, has these kind of really powerful enablers of connection that we're seeing at the moment, then to make sure that that can scale in a very non-toxic way, which is always a difficult thing with online communities. So those are the kind of things worrying in our head all the time, but it's a very exciting year coming up. So when you say a million people, is the idea that they, those one million will all have used your CBT technology? Yeah, I'd say you have used Fella as a platform. Yeah, exactly. There's no reason why this as an issue first can't be recognized, which I think is what we're doing. You know, second can't be kind of tackled in its minutiae and then third can't be scaled because without scale, we're not doing a good enough job really. Like we're doing a, doing a solid job, but we, we can do a better job if we, it would be scaled this up and that's the kind of underlying thing and that's why technology and software is so interesting and powerful really. and it's so great to hear you talk about all of this and it's been really great having you on the show today for anyone who's listening and they're going i want to reach out or i want to get involved with fella talk talk to us about how people can get involved or reach out to you mm. so if you google fella binge eating we should be at the top if you want to type it in, joinfella.com is where you find us. And then my name is Richie Cartwright, which again, you should be able to find on like any of the major platforms. And the there's kind of two different tracks that I'd probably mention. Like one is if you're a bloke and you're like, huh, <laughs> like some of my eating behaviors may fall under this. It would be don't, don't make a big thing. Like you don't need to make too big a deal of it. Yeah, reach out, use our sign up form, get in touch, see if it's relevant for you. Uh, we can take it from there. We have like a, a welcoming, but a, like a, you know, a system where we can make sure you're, you're in the right place. But then number two is if you are kind of interested in getting on board on the mission or you think, you know, uh, you're a clinician and you think this is actually spot on or if you're a researcher and you think you want to get involved or um, anything like that, really. That's when, you know, you can find us again on the website or my DMs are always open. I'm kind of streaming through them all. So, um, yeah, probably the, best, yeah probably the best place is, yeah, join Fella and then go on, on the kind of contact form. But we're very welcoming to kind of all the different types of people that, that want to get in touch. And I'm not going to lie, it's incredibly rewarding for myself to find a lot of people that, even though they're not kind of users of the platform, are really inspired by the work we're doing. Yeah, it definitely inspires me to make sure that we can, do a good job and also can scale that to a million people in five years. That's what we're doing. Awesome. Well, fingers crossed. Thanks guys. And yeah, it's been, uh, been really good to speak. Okay. So in the second part of the podcast is where we ask some more lighthearted questions to our guests. So Richie, two truths and a lie. Hit us. Okay. I have done a master's in China. I have completed a marathon in three degrees centigrade cold and I've crashed the Queen's birthday. I hope the third one's true. <laughs> so do I. Um, That's for three lies, right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you said you're like one of the sort of the downsides of your uh, coping mechanisms was a lot of exercise. So I'm fairly safely going to back the fact that you probably did do a marathon um I think the fact that you said three degrees it's very specific mm -hmm. which makes me think i feel like you know on would i lie to you the show and they start to pick holes love that really love that program 
Yeah, that's, that's the goal. We're aiming big. Um, <laughs> just next year, panellists. Yeah, I am going to agree. That to I... quote Richie Cartwright, it's about scale. We could do a solid effort, but it's about scale. <laughs> don't, don't, don't. I'm, if we're not going to write to you by next year, we're just, you know, we're not doing well enough. You're not killing me. Someone did ask me the other day, what, where do you see the podcast going? And, I, <laughs> and they said, you know, where do you see yourselves? And I was like, well, ideally, as you know, the new Holly and Phil, but just, yeah, a little bit of time to get love out that, there. Love that, love that. No, but like, it's also, didn't they get axed? or something oh no that was Eamon and um and Ruth. Ruth no ignore me <laughs> anyway so back to the truth and a lie <laughs> I... so George did you or did you not agree with the marathon yeah I think I agree and I also think that the masters in China is true but that I really want to believe that you crashed the queen's birthday oh too, it's like I've, like I've played this game before it's like Sophie's choice. <laughs> and I, I, I am fairly certain that you did the Masters because I know your LinkedIn has got a Chinese university on it, but I didn't know what for. So I'm going to make a wild guess that it is for that. So are we in agreement that we're going to call, but are we going to call BS on the last one? It would, it would be quite a rogue thing to just introduce as a lie, right? Oh, we've had worse. <laughs> I'm a double, triple, quadruple bluffing. That's the question. See, I've beat Matt in like the last two or two or three. <laughs> you have. Right, you and have. now really not wanting to lose my winning streak. I'm going with the queen as the lie. My cards are on the table. I'm in. <laughs> I, I think, this is my logic, actually, now I'm going to backtrack. I think you've done a marathon, but I think the fact that it was in three degrees might be the lie. So I'm going to go with the fact that you did crash the Queen's birthday in some way, shape or form, because I reckon you might have had like a last minute invite or something. And I'm going to say that the marathon was a lie. This is a huge call. I'm ready. You ready? Da, 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 da. I can confirm that I spent time in China. Okay. Okay. I can confirm that I do running from time to time. I can confirm I crashed the Queen's birthday, but I yes! can't confirm I run a marathon. Ah, I lost. Fuck. Oh, Jeez, strike Why again. Why are you Great. so good at this? Why are you so good at this? I don't know. I think it might be one of my newfound talents. 2020 discovered. <laughs> interesting, I think. Really good at two truths and a lie. <laughs> so, Richie, tell us quickly, how did you end up crashing the Queen's birthday? Honestly, I uh, wouldn't be able to tell you. <laughs> no, I <laughs> I'd honestly you have to kill you. Kill us, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. Maybe uh, well, a longer story for another time, but look, crashing events you're not invited to is fun and it can get out of hand sometimes. So. Have they released who the new James Bond is yet? Yeah, do you not? That's what? why I'm on my publicity tour. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad that you were able to take the time out of your publicity tour to go and join us, they, James. Yeah. Daniel Cartwright, that's my name, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so, so much for coming to join us today. Yeah, thank you so much for, for joining us today and for sharing your story. I think it's, it's really, really great and really vulnerable of you to put yourself out there like this and to give people that role model that is so, so greatly needed. So thank you so much for what you're doing and for taking the time. Well, thank you so much both and really impressive work with the 
the Guy and Girl podcast. And yeah, thank you so much for having me today. You're so welcome. Take care. Bye. Bye. So thank you for listening. And thanks again to Richie, our guest for this week. He was a phenomenal guest and we really, really enjoyed speaking to him. If you want to go check out his website, please follow any of the links that he mentioned. He's big on LinkedIn. He's big on Instagram. He's big on Facebook. So go and reach out to him on any of those platforms. Equally, joinfella.com. And you can find out a bit more about the work that he does. It's, it's a really great company. So if you are looking for any help or some inspiration, do check it out because uh, you won't be disappointed. We will be back next week with a Christmas special to round off what's been a very interesting year. Ooh, a Christmas special. We've never done one of these before. So look out for that next week and we'll speak to you soon. Bye.